We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you on the Monday of Christmas week, aka trade deadline week. I can't even say it. I'm so excited. Um, so that means, of course, I am joined by, um, well, first and foremost, my co-host Jeremy Cohen. Hello, Mr. Cohen. How are you? Great, Mr. Macri. How are you doing? I'm, I'm excited. You can't tell I'm excited. I just made my daughter. Some spaghetti? No E? No E. Uh, no E. So now she's hopefully eating for a while and is not going to come in. Uh, she's been sabotaging the pot a lot lately, which I don't know how I feel about. Um, but yeah, Do you have I'm a good. quota, you? like one Macri per pod? I'm extraordinarily egotistical. So it, I don't like anybody taking away my uh, my my shine. Is that the... Yeah, your spotlight. My spot. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Do you think that if we had a pod with just Scarlet Ray, though, that it would do better numbers? Uh, yes, because I think it would actually, she would say less stupid things. Um, it's fair. And she's also a big believer in the eye test, which as we know, that's controversial. That's how you create content. It'd be great. She's a great guy. She's already an A plus content creator. I will say that also Just be her eating butter doodles. Oh God. Okay. Um, we also have someone that, well, he's here every week, but he's going to be a little bit more of a, a presence in today's show. Uh, our producer, Andrew Claudio. Hello, Andrew. Hi guys! Thank you for including me in today's show. This should the the what we plan this segment should be really fun. Um, I promise to be somewhat as close to entertaining as both Scarlett Ray when she's on the pod, and maybe a little less entertaining than Zack Snyder's Justice League. 
We don't need to talk about that, right? I, I mean, you know what? I lobbed it up. We can discuss it later. Don't worry. Well, we'll we'll close out with that. Um, so uh, as Andrew just teased, uh, we have a little something special for today. So let's actually set the 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 week. Um, so we have a. Um, this episode today in which we are going to be going through some uh, fill in the blanks, uh, PTI style to set us up for trade deadline week. Um, then we have a, a special guest coming on uh, in the middle of the week. I'm not going to say who it is, but you're every Nick fan's going to want to hear this person because they know a lot more than me. Um, and then to end the week, um, Jeremy and I are actually going to be doing uh, so mark your calendars, folks, uh, a live stream on YouTube during the trade deadline. So I don't know. We should probably talk about when we're going to get started. I don't know, an hour, two hours before, whatever we'll be, we'll be here. We'll be talking, talking you through all the trades. I'm sure there are going to be trades. Um, and then that's going to be the, uh, the pod to end the week. And um, yeah, so we're going to get it kicked off today though, with some, with some fill in the blank. And uh, did I miss anything or could, do we, should we just get right into it? I think that's it. I think that's it, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, right, yeah, we should for reference, we're filming this at 5.23 on That's Sunday. So the Sixers game has not occurred yet. Yes. But uh, so, you know, anything could happen. Anything could happen, but anything. I feel like maybe that's a, I'll, I'll throw a bonus question out there. Do you think anything that happens in, in the Sixers game is going to affect what they do one way or the other in the trade deadline? No. Unless it's, you know, something Unless not injury, good, then no. I think that it's going to be treated like, the other games have been in the past and take stock in those. Yeah. And I guess we should say for anybody who maybe has been off Twitter this weekend, um, Mitchell Robinson, whether he plays tonight or not, has been cleared for return. So anybody who has been uh, wondering if the Knicks are going to acquire a, a big man to take his place, it looks like whether he came back against the Sixers or whether he's coming back at some point this week, he'll, he's, he's essentially back. So that is something that we should um, we should note up front. Okay. Do we call him the Winter Soldier, by the way? Now, knowing that he has some sort of medal in his hand, I think we should. Maybe we start calling Julius Randle the Falcon. Why do you wear those gloves, Mitch? What's what's the deal with the gloves? <laughs> Who do you think gets paid more, Mitchell Robinson in a year or the Falcon in a lifetime? Oh my god! <laughs> I think it's got to be Mitchell Robinson. I feel like the Falcon just lives off of like shrimp that they don't sell. So we're. No, like, we're not. I'm not. How much money do you think that he, like, you know, saved between the time he was blipped and came back? Like, do you think that his, like, his net worth went up at all? Do they close out his account? First of all, you should have said spoiler alert before you went down this road. And I think that of, people know that there was a blip in the MCU. Yes, they do. Um, I accept any and all absurd plot points in any and all comic book or comic book related television shows and or movies. So the fact that the Falcon couldn't get a loan, it's like, okay, if that's what you want me to believe, I'm going to sit here and believe it. I didn't have an issue with it there. I said it just throwing it out there. Could we get started? Uh, we, Andrew? Yeah. I don't want to go down this road of nitpicks of superhero shows, even though the, please give me five minutes at the end of the show on the four hour version of we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll do five minutes. On, I will on just Snyder say Cut. it is, it is ballsy of Marvel to think that they are a, appropriately capable of having this kind of conversation. Wow. So even a black superhero can't get alone in America. Yeah. Yep. Good, good luck, Marvel. Good, good. Very much. Good luck handling this. 
Um, but this should be a fun show. I, I think we're keeping it as evergreen as possible. And I think this is going to answer every single question that people have been consistently asking throughout the, the last couple of weeks of trade season. That don't involve Falcon getting a loan. Yes, that don't involve Falcon True. getting a loan. All right. Uh, TS off, Andrew. How are we starting off? Okay. So the first question, fill in the blank. Can Falcon... No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Um, fill in the blank. The player I most want the Knicks to add trade f- trade for uh, ahead of Thursday's deadline is blank. Uh, how are we deciding who goes first? Age before beauty. I mean, I'm older that's and all, more... Well, no, that's just not true, but... Okay. I'm young at heart and in real life. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Um, the also, I'm that- the movie star and... You're not. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will add context to that on Twitter tomorrow. Don't worry. Go ahead, John. All right. So the player, so the player that so can I can I ask a contact a, a question? Go ahead. Okay. So this is, I'm assuming, a realistic player that is in the right like I'm not, you know, it's Giannis is not on the on the table. That has been um, connected to the Knicks in trade that has been made available via trade. The player or, you would most want the Knicks to add or trade for ahead of Thursday's deadline. And we should say that we have not seen these questions beforehand. Um, the player that I want the Knicks to add or trade for ahead of the deadline is. Oh man, I'm getting put on the spot already and I don't like it. Um, Okay. I'm going to give an answer, but then I'm going to add some context. Um, God, do I really want to say, Jeremy, do you have an answer off the top of your head? Sure, I guess. I can go. Go for it, because I, I, I'm struggling already. Yeah, I think based on the fact that I don't see a market for some of the preeminent stars, especially ones who would really catapult the Knicks to serious contention, I kind of have to say Alonzo Ball. Um, I just don't think there are really any other players around his caliber, which says more about the market, quite frankly, than I think it does about Lonzo. But just the idea, like I, my thing with Lonzo is it all depends on role, right? Because he is not at this point where he can be leading an offense because he just doesn't draw that type of contact. And I think Mason did a great job of talking about this on the KFS podcast recently where just, you know, I mean, Lonzo is a good contributor, but what is he going to be? And if you're bringing him to New York, is it in an expanded role? And if it is, how are you able to build an entire offense around that? Because with someone like Julius, you don't necessarily need someone like Lonzo in the half court. You, you, I mean, in transition, absolutely. He's phenomenal. But if, if he's not going to be happy in a spot-up role where he's able to create more, especially because the Knicks are about last in transition, so that's also partially coaching. Whether that's because of the personnel or not is a different story. But, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the type of player that Tibbs wants. Um, because if he's not going to play the one, he's playing the two. And over time, I feel like Tibbs has just been totally cool with having two guards who are just like, fine. I mean, Jimmy Butler, obviously the big exception there, but uh, Wiggins kind of forced him, I guess, into that two guard role. So uh, like even back in Chicago, he was shuffling through guys. So, you know, I I don't think that it's necessarily um, the best move, but like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but in terms of a vacuum and what's out there, I think he's the best player that I'd be excited for. But it's, again, we've talked about this. It's contingent on the role 
the cost of what it would take to acquire him. Uh, he also was out today, or at least listed as out. We'll see what that means. Yeah. And uh, Nikhil Alex, uh, Alexander Walker, last I saw, had a really great first half. Not sure I was watching some of that game. The, they were the Pistons, or the Pistons, the uh, the Pelicans were playing pretty well without ball. Yeah. Right. So, you know, the idea of maybe they don't necessarily need him, or they are pretty bad at defense. So, Zoe is great defensively. Are they great? Like, is he making them not the worst defense in the league or is his defense just like maybe not the most crucial towards the team as a whole? So, you know, again, this is a pretty weak market because of the fact that the 2021 free agency is going to be weak. So I guess that's the player I would most want if we're looking at things. But based on those three caveats and um, at that point, it's like, well, those are three pretty strong caveats. I don't know if there are too many others who I would necessarily want. So here's the thing. We're five minutes into this discussion and I'm already completely jammed up because every time that I, I want to go and say a player, I can think of reasons why I don't want to trade for that player, whether it's fit, role, cost, cost to resign. You brought up some of the issues with Lonzo. We've talked a lot about them over the past several weeks. We don't need to belabor the point. And it's like I, you could do that with every single name that has been connected with the Knicks. The only move or the only sort of move that I could wholeheartedly get behind without even thinking twice is a move where they are utilizing their salary cap space to take on a player that is a decent player that they are essentially getting for nothing. That All they have to do is pay the player's salary and that player will help them. And to that end, <sighs> I'm going to cheat here because this player has not been connected with the Knicks, but this team has been connected with some point guards, namely Kyle Lowry and the aforementioned Lonzo Ball. And that is the Clippers. And the Clippers have the, uh, this year it's 13.3 million. Next year it is 14.3 million salary of one Patrick Beverly. Is Patrick Beverly overpaid? Yes. Um, is Patrick Beverly a guy who's going to solve any of the Knicks problems? No, but would I take on Patrick Beverly for nothing and potentially get a small asset for the right to, or, or for taking on Patrick Beverly. And I think above all could, because here's what that does. It prevents the Knicks from screwing up. The Knicks don't give up any, anything. And we're going to talk about all this stuff. So I'm not going to belabor the point right now, but that like, I'm just thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. The only move that I feel like I'd be able to get behind a thousand percent is that sort of move. And scouring the entire league, I don't know where else that move is, where they get a good player, essentially where all they have to do is is pay his salary and 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 nothing else. So we're starting off on on a on a bang. Pat Beverly is my answer. Okay. Uh the second question goes the opposite direction of what you want. It's what you it's not what you want. The player or players, I guess, no, this is player. I least want the Knicks to add trade for ahead of Thursday's deadline is blank. I, I got one. I got one pretty handy. If you, if you're, uh, if you, if you, unless you want to go. I mean, I've got one pretty handy too, but. Okay. You know what? Hey, uh, go beauty. All right. Thank you. Uh, I mean, it feels overplayed at this point, but Drummond. It's got to be Drummond. Again, like if we're talking about strictly trading for him, it has to be because of the fact that Brock Aller, who 
we know that uh, Tom Thibodeau basically likened to Sam Hinkie in the Euron Weitzman piece. Uh, like to me, the idea of all are going from like, yeah, we were all in on getting Nicholas Batum's contract and trying to turn that into you know, assets and something like that. And then being like, you know what, let's get Andre Drummond on an expiring contract. It just does. It's not something that I could see them doing. And if that is something that happens, I'm very concerned because it means that they are very much in the win now mindset. Yes. I mean, you could say like, okay, well, they didn't really give up much, even if they don't give up much agreed, but it's to me, it's the opportunity cost. It's saying there's nothing else you could have done where you have to take on that huge salary where now you're incorporating him into the fold. It just, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get the mindset of it. And I do, I understand what Zach Lowe was saying in terms of how Drummond is at this point underrated because a lot of people are throwing him under the bus. But again, it's like, this goes to my whole thing of like Drummond is, he's a stat pattern in a lot of ways. And I think that you can, you can create an environment where he is welcomed and he fits into the fold very cleanly. I don't think you can trade for him because then you're just having to trade a lot of things out that you would need. Um, But again, like Mitch is coming back. Noel is likely here. If both those guys stay, there's no reason to bring Drummond into the fold. If you're trading Mitch, then like, okay, well, that's a big move. What are you getting for him? And if you're trading Noel, it's, well, like, again, why are we necessarily trading Noel and replacing him with Drummond when Drummond wants to start, or at least if he's coming off the bench, it's for a contender. So I just don't want Drummond in the building, quite frankly. And it's nothing against him personally. It's just the archetype, the contract, and the conditions that are currently at play. And and the added um, layer of this team is playing unselfishly right now, assist percentage aside. Um, they're playing for each other. There are no, well, I don't want to say there's no egos in the locker room, but like it doesn't, if there are egos in the locker room, it's certainly, you can't tell on the court. Like th- this team is a really good thing going. Andre Drummond um, injected into that. I just don't, I don't, I don't want any part of it. Um, I don't think they're going to trade for Drummond. I think Drummond exists in a category of his own level of bad in turn. So that would be my answer too, but just to, to switch things up. Um, I don't want the Knicks to get involved in the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes. And the reason, and I, to be very clear, and I want them to sign Kyle Lowry in the off season. Um, and I think I would go multiple years to get him here, but to get him now via trade, given that if the Raptors put him on the market, um, you know, the heat are going to be in on him. The Sixers are going to be, you're going to have to, you like, you want to talk about, as opposed to like the fantasy old depot market, which doesn't exist. There's a real, they're going to be a real Lowry market. And like, that's, I do not want to give up what it would take to get that guy here when you could just sign him with cap space in the offseason. So um, Kyle Lowry, love the player, but that would be my answer for, for that specific reason. There's a theme I'm sensing with pretty much every hypothetical move the Knicks make throughout this entire trade season, which leads to our next question. It's just the people, specifically Knicks fans, don't want to part with specific assets. So your next question, the most untouchable player or asset on the Knicks right now is blank. I mean, RJ Barrett. It's it's obvious. I think it's um, I think anything else. If you told me that they traded anything else, including Julius Randle, including Emmanuel quickly, including their first round pick this year, including a future first round pick, I would, there is a universe in which I could believe it. Not likely, 
not like I just want to say that not likely, but I could like if I could think of something, I cannot think of a universe where they trade RJ Barrett right now. Even if the Wizards got religion and they and they put Beal on the table tomorrow, I just I just don't see it. So I think RJ Barrett's their most untouchable asset right now. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think with Julius Randle, he's the best player. It's evident. But with RJ, you also have to consider the fact that the Knicks pretty much have seven and a half years of team control for RJ if they want it. And that's huge. So trading RJ Barrett, what are you really getting? Unless you're getting a complete difference maker. And again, to me, Beal is not going to be that guy. If you tried to say like, well, you get Beal and then maybe you luck into bring Paul George along, like, or excuse me, Kawhi Leonard, like they did with the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George pairing in Los Angeles. It's a slightly different conversation for sure, but that's not something I'm currently operating within the scope of. So I think even with the draft picks, like, you know, every year we kind of go on this idea of like, well, this year's pick is super valuable and this year's pick is super valuable. And uh, if you look at the last five years worth of picks, at least for first rounders, I mean, there's one that's really good the player mm-hmm. that we feel is untouchable. Yep. And you have on the other end of the spectrum, someone like Kevin Knox, where that 2018 first round pick was super valuable. And now it's just like, how, how, what are we doing with Kevin Knox? How are we going from there? So it's got, I mean, with all due respect to this draft class, I think maybe if the Knicks were a worse team, if the Mavericks were a worse team, if both were worse and there were the opportunity to even trade up uh, further, then I think you could say one is more important than RJ. But you look at real talent, that we have um, one in the hand is worth two in the bush. And in this case, there are two first round picks. So I'm going to say it has to be RJ. I agree. This is, this is actually an incredible display of how far he's come. When you think back, John, to the, the question you had during the mailbag earlier in the year, where you ranked the Knicks five best assets and he was, fourth or fifth and you had to think about whether the Dallas no pick, he wasn't fourth or fifth I don't think I put him that low you did had, I? You, put him you had Randall one you had this year's first round pick holy shit you had and quickly right you had quickly Obi. and Obi ahead of him Obi over wow yeah and I just want to say I think that saying quickly you know instead of RJ I get the argument can we scrub there, that but <laughs> is there a way to s- it is much more fun when we have receipts. No, Do I like, need a DeLorean for that? The internet's yeah. written in pen, Mark. Unfortunately. Um, so a player that I think a lot of Knicks fans would like to scrub from this roster, uh, <laughs> Alfred Payton, that is the topic of the next question. There is a blank percent chance that Alfred Payton is traded before the deadline. You want to do one the count of three and we both give our answer at the same time? But sure, we could do that. Okay, Andrew, you're going to count off one, two, three, and then we both say our, our number. Okay, ready? One, two, three. 33. 69. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a fucking child. Apologies to anyone laughing. listening to this podcast with their children like in the car. <laughs> what, what's so funny about that number? Nothing. Um, I think there's a third. Move right along. Just move right along. There is a, I think there's a 33% chance they trade him. Um, and that's obviously a number I'm kind of pulling out of the blue as opposed to uh, Jeremy, who's pulling the number from a different uh, area. Um, I think, I think there's a real, I think there's a real possibility as I'm, as we've been talking over the last few minutes, um, I've been reading uh, Kevin O'Connor's uh, latest uh, in which I'll, I'll sprinkle some of this stuff out as it, as it is germane to some of the conversation we've already had some different rumors in here. And, and 
uh, to some of the stuff we're already talking about. One of the things he notes is that the Clippers are under pressure. Um, and they have interest in big name point guard, big name uh, point guards like Ball and Lowry. Um, but he notes that their more realistic trade targets would grab fewer headlines. And he mentions George Hill and Ricky Rubio. Well, guess what happens if um, you can't? And by the way, Ricky Rubio makes a lot of money. Um, and, uh, you know, is Ricky Rubio $12 million better than Alfred Payton? I don't know. Um, what is Oklahoma City's asking price going to be? I don't know. So I think um, Alfred Payton to the Clippers is a possibility. I think um, Alfred Payton or Alfred Payton to the Bucks is a possibility because right now they don't really have a backup point guard. Um, actually, I don't even do they, who who is their starting point guard. I guess Drew Drew is starting for them at point guard, right? And yeah, I, know, do, I don't. Do, I don't see ch- Alfred being an option for them just based on his skill set and what he, like. They desperately need spacing around Giannis, and he does not provide that in the slightest. But like as a breaking case of emergency, play ten minutes in a playoff game where your guy. I think like, you I could get. I think you get better than that for. You know, listen. Maybe you have second round picks at your disposal. You could do it. Sure, um, but I just I think. So I'll turn it to you. Was sixty nine percent really your like roughly? You think it was a high percent that they trade him? I ran a hundred simulations. Sixty nine of them he was traded. I don't know what to tell you. Um, no, I think it's the whole idea of he to me is the perfect outgoing salary. I mean, you could say that about almost any of the Knicks prospects or their, their assets, um, you know, but how many teams are necessarily going to need an Alfred Payton is Alfred Payton. And we'll find out tonight if he's uh, starting, how many minutes he's getting. I think it's pretty transparent that the Knicks know that he is a problem in terms of how the offense flows. They wouldn't have gone out and gotten Derek Rose if they thought we're good with Alfred Payton and Emmanuel quickly, but they didn't feel that way. So I think that there's something to be said of not shelving Alfred Payton because I get the idea of consistency. I, I'm, I don't want him to start. Don't get me wrong, but also, you know, I mean, I can understand why Tibbs wants someone who can get into the paint and Alfred Payton does that. He doesn't do a lot of other things very well. Like with Beverly, for example, Beverly rarely slashes. So I don't know if he's going to, if he would orchestrate an offense, but that's also a reason why the Clippers would even be considering to trading him because they need someone who can create a little bit more, at least in terms of getting to the rim. Um, I think there was something else with Zach Lowe where he talked about just how there's so little creation in terms of just like drawing contact and getting to the line that it's, it's a mess. And that's why they don't look good. And I'm not saying that Alfred Payton is their answer because they could probably do better, even though they don't necessarily have the picks at their disposal to do that. But it's still like, that idea of at least drawing contact and opening things up because they shoot really well. So having someone, uh, you know, drawing away the, you know, guys towards the rim, then that's at least opening things. So I don't know. I mean, realistically, I, I'd say 50, 50, I guess, but I, it would not shock me. Considering I just said 50, 50, it wouldn't shock me in the slightest if he's still here, but if he is, I'd like to know what his role is moving forward because I don't want to see him continue. I, nobody wants to see him continue. No, well, and, I wish that were true, but there are fans who genuinely do want to see him continue. I don't, I think there are fans who are maybe a little bit more spirited versions of, of what I've been throughout the year, which is someone who I've been like, look, I defended the signing at the time because of the number and the it's one year and the market again. And by the way, by the way, for everybody 
I don't know how many people there were out there, but let me just say this for my own sake, um, who were yelling and screaming about, well, why don't we go get DJ Augustine? Why don't we go get Jeff Teague? Jeff Teague has been fucking awful. Yes. And DJ Augustine is a bad contract. Um, three years, uh, $7 million a year. I'm not saying Alfred Payton's <laughs> good, but at the time it made sense because of the, of the backup point guard market. It's just, you know, there are reasons why he, and he hasn't played good. That's the other right. thing. He's been like, Wanamaker mad. has not been great. McLaughlin wasn't really available. None she of these has, guys are good. Napier None. is still out of a job. So yeah, yeah, I mean, we discussed at the time, it was like, that's the shit pile. You're taking <laughs> the best of the shit pile. You're taking the and best you're hoping the for pile. the best. Yeah. And yeah. like Peyton is proving to be the best, the shit pile, and, but, but that's not a compliment. <laughs> no, but by the way, he did the team is, he hasn't torpedoed their season single-handedly. If any, does anyone want to seriously make the argument that they would be, you know, 24 and whatever, 16 or what, 18. If he, if uh, he wasn't on the team, I don't, I don't think that's uh right. anyway. Okay. Enough about it for Peyton. Let's, can we move on? Well, another player that the Knicks did sign this off season is Alec Burks, which I think Nick fans are actually happy with how that contract has gone. Now I, I don't think this really applies to what I think the Knicks will do because I think they're going to be more buyers than sellers. But in this world, where the asset of Alec Burks and Brock Aller enters the chat and says, like, we could actually get something for this guy. I would be blank about an Alec Burks trade. Um, do we do we have to answer only with one word? Yeah, you can expand on it afterwards. Hyphenate it with like seven hyphens if it's really that long a sentence. I I would be surprised. Can I say I would be surprised by an yeah. Alec Burks trade? Yeah, I would be surprised by an Alec Burks trade because um, he's good and helpful, and there, I don't think there's a chance in hell that they like move him for like a future. I, I don't think there's another team was like, "Ooh, Alec Burks is going to help us. Let's send a crappier player and a future second round pick to get him." Like the, and the Knicks are going to do that, but the, I will caveat it with. Um, if there's a team out there, again, I'm pulling this out of my ass, um, much like Jeremy did his percentage on the previous question. Um, I told the, you I ran 100 simulations. Ran 100 simulations. I did. Um, just one, Doctor Strange. Uh, anyway, so like if the Warriors called up and be like, well, we really don't want to pay the tax that Kelly Oubre Jr. is going to cost, so but we also don't want to completely take someone from our like rotation and not replace him with anything, even though Jordan Poole is scoring like 8,000 points a game in the last few. Um, like Burks for, I think Burks played with the Warriors too, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, like Burks for Ubre, right? So the Knicks are getting a more expensive player who's theoretically better. Um, and, you know, they're just, and they're giving up Burks. So like the Warriors don't have to lose him for nothing. Even that though, like, I don't know. Would I do that if I'm the Knicks? Like Kelly Oubre Jr. has had, I looked up his numbers last night. He started the season shooting 13% from three over the first, I think it was nine games. Then over the next 21 games shot um, 40% from three. And over the last 10 or 11 games, maybe 10, 11, 12, something like that. He's down around 20% from three. So I don't even know what you'd be, but again, that's the name I, I picked out of my butt. Um, but something like that, I guess I could see, but short of that, I just don't, I don't see them moving on from him. So it's funny that you said surprise because the first word that actually came to my mind was unsurprised. Of course. Well, again, look at what he was signed for. It was You're even, a needler. You're needling me. 
Good. Well, let's I'll continue doing that. That's I enjoy it. Um, again, Thank that's what did. he was signed for. Burks was signed to be flipped. Of course, the Knicks didn't necessarily predict that this is the way the season would play out. Exactly. But that also doesn't mean that everything goes out the window because of the fact that Burks has been good. Don't get me wrong, but the Knicks have also been able to survive without him. And I, this is not causation. This is purely correlation. But one thing I've noticed is that it seems like when Burks plays really well, it's when the Knicks are way behind or way ahead. I'm not saying that, again, it's like because of him, he is this, or he's not making any contributions. He is. He's a great shooter, at least very good, at least in terms of his capacity and the role he has. But, you know, you talk about some sort of cost-cutting move. What if the Pelicans say, all right, well, we don't need J.J. Redick. That's pretty evident. And he's also not 100% right now. We know that J.J. Redick is interested in coming back to the Northeast in some capacity. He's with CAA. Like there are very, there are a lot of ties that are there. And if the Pelicans said, okay, well, let's do this. We'll trade you JJ Redick and one of our second round picks this year, because they've got two second round picks that are in the top like 10 right now. And a third, I think that's just outside of it. Um, So like saying, okay, we'll do that. And then you trade us Burks and you trade us someone like, I don't know, Knox. Awesome. Or some, some sort of salary you were going to fill in the blank with there. Right. But the idea Wait, so of, we're doing, we're doing Knox and Burks for Reddick and a second round pick. Like, again, this comes down to what is Reddick worth? Is he worth positive value or negative value? I wouldn't do that. But you may not, but the point is that, you know, if the Pelicans aren't looking to give up on the season, they actually want to fight. They're 25th in bench production. So having someone like Burks could actually help them. And sure. You could say like, well, They've, they've got plenty of guards and I don't disagree, but this whole idea of like having more creation, someone who's a veteran who can help them get to that final play in spot where the Pelicans also save money because again, the Benson family, they own the saints, they own the Pelicans, some sort of cost cutting move. So that type of philosophy, I don't think that the Knicks are just going to be like, we'll trade Alec Burks and get nothing back except for like a second round pick. Can I just like, I, I look, I, I, I no, this is not the time to get on my soapbox, but like at some point it would be nice to keep like if a guy comes here and produces and and by the way, Alec Burks on off court, um, he is amongst Nick's year long rotation players. So I'm not including Derek Rose because really small sample size. But after Julius Randall, Alec Burks has the best um, on off differential on the team, according to cleaning the glass. Um, I, I think, I, I, I think you're giving him a little bit, not enough credit. And no, he's don't, I mean, and he's also been good. He is. And uh, a great window into that as well was Jack Huntley had a great article at the Strickland about him. Yeah. I don't want to underplay how Burks has been operating. It's just a question of, can the Knicks survive without him? And I think they can, I think that they can manage that way. It's just a matter of what are you getting back? That's the key here, obviously. I understand the idea of keeping a player because they're playing well, but at the same time, the same argument could have been applied last year. Marcus Morris is playing well, like, really nicely. Yeah, and they got a Why first round. Why are we round, trading it? Right. Okay. They got a first round pick for Marcus Morris. Okay. So the, the second round pick that I just told you, if that goes to 35 and we're talking about the Clippers getting yielding the 27th pick, is there that significant of a difference? If you're packaging the Pistons pick and this Pelicans pick, or, you know, I think that one is owned by the Cavs originally and one was by the Wizards. Like, you're, those are not good teams. If you're, you're able also to then talking package about those up, and move up, that's great. You're also talking about giving up Kevin Knox in this. If you take Kevin Knox out of the deal, but the deal it, makes a lot more what, sense. I guess, but again, what is Kevin Knox really necessarily giving you? 
Well, maybe let's hold off on that because I have a feeling Kevin. I would be surprised if Kevin Knox didn't come up again in this conversation. Let's 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 move on. Well, so I think this conversation hints at, and I think back to Yaron's article about the inner workings of the front office. I think this conversation is leading toward what if Brock Aller had Leon Rose's ear and said, "Let's do this move." I actually have a follow up, which will then also lead to our next question. Is there another player that, so I'll phrase it in the context of the game, the player the Knicks would trade if Brock Aller had his way is blank. Oh, this is like strictly asset acquiring asset management. I'll I'll give you the the first, if I'm being honest, the first name that came to my head was Julius Randle. That was mine too. Really? Yeah, because that's the most value you get back. Because if you, I mean, if if they again, they're not going to do this. But if Julius Randle ever got put on the market, see. But here's the thing: it's complicated because again, right? In theory, the way Julius Randle is playing, his age, his contract, the whole the whole kit and caboodle, he's worth multiple first round picks and a young and a really good young player, right? Can we agree on that? So if you're if you're Brock Aller. You're like, holy shit, I could cash this in now. And then we get the cleanest cap sheet in the league moving forward. We have, we're, I don't know, they would be in what, triple max territory at that point, right? Assume, depending on what they got back. Close it, enough. Close, whatever. They have a lot of fucking money. Um, and, you know, depending, but again, it depends on the picks. It depends on who the young player is, the whole thing. But in theory, that's the sort of reset. And then, by the way, the Knicks are ass the rest of the year because they're not winning any games without Julius Randle. And so all of a sudden their pick goes into the top seven or eight. I think that's probably Brock Aller's fever dream. Um, but, you know, who knows? I don't think it would be Randall. I get the idea, you know, and that's the hinky kind of, maybe it's so much the hinky mindset in terms of going for lower talent. And But again, I mean, with the value, the, the value of Randall is key. As you said, that's t- the type of package I would be looking for. But I don't know what team is really going to have That's that package. The thing. I don't know who the And team so is. if you can't find that package, it's like, well, then why am I dealing him? Why am I trading him if I don't think I'm going to get the package I want for him? So, you know, I, I just don't Can think I just throw something out at you? Sure. I'm just, I'm literally, literally, this is, again, just pulling it right out of the old orifice. Go for it. Um, Charlotte calls you up. Um, we're all in. We're all in. We're going for that four seed. It's PJ Washington. Our our reverse protected pick this year. If it doesn't convey this year, you get our like top three protected pick next year. And then a future unprotected first. That's it. I, and I guess uh, Cody Zeller to make the money work. No, just based on the fact that if you look at past deals, I mean, you could call the magic idiots for deals that they've done, but like Ibaka for Oladipo and Sabonis, or the pick that became Sabonis, that's the type of package I'm looking for, for Julius Randle. Somewhere so you, in that you ballpark. Don't, you don't think we're highly of P.J. Washington. It's though. not that. I just don't think that he's of that level, you know? I don't think that I wouldn't think that he was. And I understand that Depot was not Depot that he is now. And it took him going to not even now when he went to the Thunder. That was what really helped him turn that corner. But again, like that's a lottery pick that 
with Sabonis. So we're now talking about if they're going all in for the fourth seed, we're talking about maybe like the 20th pick. All right, well, we have a Mavericks pick. We're going to have to consolidate now, which means that there's pressure on us to consolidate for like a pick that you hope is going to be a rotation player, but statistically speaking is probably maybe a backup at best, just based on that range. Um, How many teams are actually going to want to package say like 16, 19 and 22? What are you necessarily going to get for that? I, you know, are you going to get a top 10 pick out of it? Or would the team that's, and I, what, what I mean no, by top 10 is like the 10th pick, not in that range. No, I, I, I get it. But so, that's, but that's the reverse. That's the reverse protection. It would, you, what if you could construct a deal? And this is where Brock Aller comes in again, where you can reverse protect it so that like you basically have control over Charlotte's draft for like the next five years, but you're only ending up with two first round picks. Like an Anthony Davis trade situation, basically, except a lesser version of that. I mean, what I'd probably want is pick swaps, for sure. So let's say you get two firsts and a swap. You're closer, but I, you know, I mean, PJ Washington, two firsts and a swap, and you consider the fact that Randall is gone, which means your team gets ridiculously worse. PJ Washington put up a 40 spot, like, of course, a month but ago. He's not ready to be the hub of an offense. No, he's not. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And no, it gets to the part about sucking for the next several months. Right. I mean, again, it's not this is like, I, I just okay, don't. Okay, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be going. Look, I don't want them to trade Julius Randall. I, Andrew, please do me a favor. No, I, I don't usually care about my mentions. I am going to ask you politely, do not put this clip out on the internet. Let people just listen to it in the course of the pod. <laughs> I'm going um, to completely cut this out of context and like through the mirage of people going back in time to you having RJ Barrett <laughs> as a worse asset than just do it. Obi Toppin. Yes. yes. There you go. And That's then I'll, so I'll have, fantastic. I'll have you somehow like superimpose like just your head onto a body <laughs> charging the Capitol back in January. <laughs> so that was the Brock Aller perspective. Um, the next question has to do about Tibbs, because as we all know, he used to be a Pobo, a player of basketball. Uh, uh, the, wait, why? He was a player. President of basketball. President operations. of basketball. Why, why did I forget player. the word president? Look at me. He was a Po-boy. He was a Po-boy. Yes. He wasn't a snack. He was a whole damn meal. Oh, jeez. I love Po-boys. Um, great. So the question here, um, now that we got the Brack Aller perspective, one player Tibbs would have already traded for if he was also Pobo is blank. 
You want to go first? Yeah. But I'm trying to think of what veteran would come to mind. I mean, I got, I got one. It's easy. All right. Then you go first. Um, well, actually maybe it's not easy because my, the first name that came to my mind was Oladipo. And now, um, and now I'm thinking, uh, if Lowry's actually on the table, what would, what would Tibbs give up for, for Kyle Lowry? Let's I'll go, I'll go with, uh, well, no, let's, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll say, I'll say Lowry. Because I think Tibbs would want to get the best player on the market, and Kyle Lowry. He's, if if you, I bet if Tibbs was like, I could see Tibbs marching into the front office and be like, "You get me fucking Kyle Lowry, I'll get you to the Eastern Conference Finals." I like he believes that shit. You know he believes that shit. So I think Kyle Lowry. All right, now that I'm on the spot, I'm just trying to. I'm literally looking at the list of teams and trying to think of who he would have gone all in for to get this type of player. So. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to say Zach Levine. I think unloading I, the clip for Zach Levine, the Bulls are like, we want to load on to him. Unloading the clip? Yeah. <laughs> Things are just getting really dark here. <laughs> I mean, it's not, he's not doing it on someone per se. It's not a violent. Is he firing into a fucking wall then? Sure, yeah. He's at a, he's at a firing range. And, you know, he just <laughs> unloads the clip and then he just says, boom. And then, you know, places the gun down because you don't want to drop it in my, you know, vast knowledge of guns, which is probably about zilch. Um, and then he just says, like, all right, Zach, let's hit the road. Now you know, we're getting on the road. OK, well, yeah, you got to hit the road. You gotta, he's picking Zach Levine up from the airport. Got to go hide the body after he just unloaded the clip on Zach Levine. Um <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> just, just the idea of reuniting him with an elite shot creator and we were able to see what he's doing in Chicago. It's fantastic. I grant I still can, can I be honest with you? I actually wonder between Zach Levine and Carl Anthony Towns who Tibbs would be more gung ho about uh, I, think Levine. I bet Towns. I bet I bet he thinks he could I I bet he think, thinks he can make Towns a centerpiece of um the centerpiece of a championship team. I don't think he thinks he can make Levine the centerpiece. I, of a championship I mean, team. maybe it's just the idea of towns and, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't believe the idea that it was like the relationship was so bad that they just had wanted nothing to do with each other. Oh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. At I all. think it's being blown out of proportion. Uh, it is. It's, but that's yeah. almost been report. Like that's been outright reported that like, that's not, the relationship was not that bad. Right. It's just, an, and I think towns has grown as a person. He's had obviously, unfortunate, terrible tragedy in his life. And I think that he's starting to, to get it. It took Embiid some time to kind of put it together mentally in terms of effort. And he's at an MVP level. Yep. And I think that also with Finch in Minnesota, that Towns is going to be empowered that way too. So yeah, I don't think that Towns would, you know, say, or that Tibbs would say, no, I don't want Towns. It's just the idea of that with Levine and how he was able to work with him and the praise that he gave him, it wasn't as effusive with Towns. So we're talking about someone who was so into it where he was like, I devote, I, I, so much of what I have is because of uh, Thibodeau, whereas Towns is like, the relationship wasn't as bad as it seems. There's a difference between the two. And I think that no, having that level of motivation is what would separate the two in terms of how Tibbs operates. And I think that would be, um, that would be Levine, but it's so hard for us to really gauge that from the outside looking in. Okay. 
So we have two pretty big questions before a few rapid fire to to end the game. Look, rapid fire. What is it with us with the shooting analogies? Really just like not what you want. Jeez. Um, Okay. So the player I most expect to be traded to the Knicks before Thursday's deadline is blank. Uh, I'll take this one. Um, I, 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 I said it the other day and I'll say it again. Um, Victor Oladipo. Um, so the latest Intel on Oladipo, um, again, this comes from the Kevin O'Connor piece is apparently Houston and Orlando are involved in talks about, uh, some kind of Aaron Gordon for Oladipo swap, but not like the magic don't want, um, Victor Oladipo as like, like, like it would basically, they would be, they would be getting something. Um, and they're looking, apparently they're looking for a third team. And here I'm going to just read what, um, I'm just going to read uh, what O'Connor writes. In the days ahead, don't be shocked by anything involving Oladipo. Playoff teams are reluctant to trade for him. Rebuilding teams don't want him long-term. Um, no matter where he ends up, Oladipo still clearly has something to prove. Like, he's been better of late in Houston. Um, Great game today, by the way. Truly. So they've lost 20 games in a row, and he's been a part of a lot of those. Um, but here's what I want to say. Um, he was he has not been efficient. Even his last 10 or so games where he's been more efficient, he's still not terribly efficient. He's shooting like 35% from three over the last, I think, 10 games. Um, I watched that Houston OKC game. I, watched, I actually watched more of it than I care to admit. It, it's I have a problem. And for step one is admitting I have a problem. I have a problem. I watched an hour of OKC Houston earlier today. What Houston is doing, that's not, that's not basketball. Like, I feel bad for him. Silas is not going to be back like he's he'll get canned after the unless uh, the unless Fertitta is just cheap he doesn't want to pay another coach um like they're just going out there like the the last for anybody who didn't watch which I hope is everybody listening to this um it was a back and forth game at the end and then the Rockets were down by two at home by the way against an Oklahoma City team isn't the best player no shake goes Alexander um six seconds left came out of a timeout and uh what happens John Wall just fires up a three from about 28 feet and it's not close. And after he fires up that three, Victor Oladipo just like, like, like shrugs kind of puts out his hands and just like fucking turns around and just like walks away. He just is like the, I could feel the disgust coming through my TV screen. And like, that is basically like, I just don't know what I'm supposed to take from whatever the hell's been going on in Houston about where Victor Oladipo is at as a player. I say all this to, to, to merely, you know, you have Miami in their toe in a lot of different uh, lakes and, and pools and rivers and things. Um, can we get uh what's the, uh, what's the, what's the band? No waterfalls, waterfalls, no TLC. Uh, there you go. Let's, let's get some TLC queued up for this. Um, like their their toes in a lot of different things. I just don't think anybody wants Oladipo. And I think it, again, I'll repeat what I said the other day. I think it's going to come down to ten minutes before the deadline. Houston's going to be looking around and be like, "Fuck, we're stuck with this fucking guy." Call up New York. Just take whatever the best offer they have. And I think the New York's best offer. I said we would talk about him again. Kevin Knox and the Detroit pick. I think that would get it done. And and I guess they would need a little bit more salary, but. 
you know, whatever. Uh, Peyton, there you go. There's your there's your Alfred Peyton trade. Yeah, I mean, it would make some sense. I think as well for Houston, though, the idea of like, well, maybe we could just do some sort of sign and trade that could also work in the off season. I think they're going to, they know that they're not going to get a whole lot for Oladipo and that's why their price is high because you have to start high and work your way down. But yeah, I think that at some point they don't really want him on their hands and they're just going to find, you know, maybe it's like a meh or good second round pick and salary matching of some sort, or as you know, you said the Knicks have the advantage of absorbing most of his contract, not all of it, yep. um, about 15 of the $21 million into their cap space. But again, for me, I just, uh, I think Vork had a great point where he said how so much of we, so much of what we base our thoughts on our like reports that we had, I, I'm doing a terrible job of explaining what he said, but the idea of where it's like all of these ideas and based on reports, and we yeah. kind of just use those to corroborate our thoughts and feelings. So like with Lonzo Ball, for example, and the Pelicans, the idea of what was coming out this week, I thought a lot of it was from the ball camp. Like LeVar being honest and saying, this is the deal. Or, you know, these these ideas, I don't know who Mark Berman sources, but the idea of like, okay, this is leaking at the same time. I'm Mark as, Berman source. He's talking to me. Fair enough. Well, John, the fact that you would leak that the Knicks are so interested in uh, Lonzo Ball at the same time that LeVar is speaking out, that there are all these other rumors, I think that it could very much be pushing one way versus another. And that one way is from LaMelo, Lonzo Ball's side. So, you know, I'm going to go with uh, still the idea of J.J. Redick. I think there are just a lot of factors for why he would make sense in New York. They also talked about, uh, Tibbs said something about how threes in terms of the, the Knicks want to take the right threes. Again, I mean, you could look at the frequency, you could look at the accuracy. I don't think we entirely know the best three pointers that the Knicks want to take other than maximizing the corner spot. We know that they have some guys who can really shoot from above the break. Um, Obi can shoot well from above the break. Uh, Bullock, I believe, does a pretty good job. Even Randall, he's seeing some nice shots, especially, I want to say, from the strong side, but I'd have to well, go back and look. I feel like most of his his threes are above the break. I would have right. to look that up. But yeah. So it's not like there aren't players that, or, you know, it's not like we don't know completely, but it's hard for us to gauge based on the personnel, in my opinion. So JJ Redick is a good shooter who had a down part to his year. He certainly improved from there. I think you have to, though, consider age, this injury, missing time, a lot of different factors. But I think there's something to be said as well about how the Knicks are positioning themselves throughout the league. Because at the, sa- at the same time, like this season has been very much about turning the narrative, right? We haven't seen too much in terms of things with Dolan, except for what was going on last week. And that didn't have anything to do with the Knicks. Um, yeah. And that wasn't even like, right. whatever. we don't have to talk about that. Um, or the fact that the Knicks went from, or have gone from what, not making the playoffs since the 2012, 13 season to now being in contention for a playing game. The narrative is changing and having someone like JJ Redick, who has a, profound effect on the league. He's got a great podcast. He is the ultimate player. We talked to, or, you know, CP three, that was clearly a thought in mind of how do we revitalize this team and get this different, get this in a different direction. That's sort of thing. So I think that from, and he would resign uh, because at this point in his career, I think Reddick values 
I mean, he said it, he, he wants to be around here. So, yeah. right. And that could even be a, a minimum deal, which means that when the year is up, you know, you don't have to worry about his bird rights because it's going to be a year, even though you're trading for, well, he's been with the Pelicans for what will have been two years or just short of that point being still like, you can bring him into your building and not have to worry about long-term financial repercussions. He's an expiring salary and you can, I still don't know what his value is. And even Mason didn't know what his value is. So <laughs> that's, that's the other factor. If the Pelicans are adamant about, we need positive value from this guy, then I want nothing to do with JJ Redick. But if they see him as at best neutral and what's going back is like a little bit less salary. I mean, sure. It depends on the package. I talked about Burks and, Knox, but then you'd want something more positive gonna, than just JJ Reddick. So they're going to buy him out if they don't right. trade him. And so. if they buy him out, he's going to go straight to Philadelphia or Brooklyn. One of the two. Probably. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, at, Oh, um, another buyout just uh, because you just reminded me of it. Uh, Gorgie Jang, Jang, right? Gorgie Jang, Gorgie Jang, Gorgie. I always want to say Georgie. Why do I want to do that? I don't know, but that was the name of my old cat. So Georgie, Georgie. Georgie, that's not spelled I like Gorgie, but George, but G E O R G I E. Fun fact for all of you out there. Gorgie Jang uh, O'Connor mentions as a buyout candidate. Again, another guy that I would love to take on if I got a, if I got an asset. I I agree with all of your logic on JJ Redick. I hope it's JJ Redick and not Victor Oladipo. I just want to say right now, I don't want Victor Oladipo. Um, as much as I made an argument for him before, this is what I was talking about with you on your pod, Andrew. I could make an argument for fucking anything. Um, but I, don't, to I don't want Victor Oladipo. Can I ask a follow up just to you guys can both answer if you want uh, quickly because we're running long on time. But does LeBron's injury change your thoughts about Oladipo? Because I think the Lakers would be more aggressive to go out and get somebody that even if it's a two month rental, knowing that the both of their big dogs are going to be out for probably the rest of the season. I first of all, the Lakers would need to a lot of money. They have to send a lot of money back in so, terms of matching salary because they're very close to the hard cap. Yeah, it's um. So you're talking. Oh, I don't even know if they'd be able to do it. Like, yeah, you're talking like a lot of players. Like you're talking KCP, Kuzma, West Matt. It's not. Yeah, it's just. It's not. It's. I don't think it's in the. Car. So the salary doesn't work. The salary is not going to work. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think as long as I if the like. I think the Lakers, as long as they're like the six seed or higher, that's all they care about. Which no LeBron, no AD. I looked at their schedule last night because I, I was I'm, I had the same thought as you. Like, is how much does this change the trade deadline? And it they have enough games that I think you they they'll be able to convince themselves that they could, you know, win enough. Well, um, some players that might not win a lot because they're being traded from the Knicks. The second question before we get to. A, a speed round at the end. Uh, the player I most expect to be traded from the Knicks before Thursday's deadline is blank. The player that will no longer be a Nick, most most likely not be a Nick after the deadline on Thursday is who? John Macri. Um, sorry, I'm just looking. Vork reported again. Nobody needs to know this listening now, but Mitchell Robinson is pretty much a go to play tonight. So that's good. Emmanuel quickly enough for Peyton or game time decisions. Um, it's an easy answer, in my opinion. You're going to say Elf. No, I'm not. Really? I'm going to say Austin Rivers. Wow. See, I don't... Wow. That's interesting. Okay, so I was toying between Elf and uh, Kevin Knox. Interesting. I don't cool. think they're going to trade Frank at this point, and I think... Um, I basically, here's, my, here's my thinking. 
after everything we've talked about and all the machinations and possibilities that are that are at play, I think the Knicks are going to settle in on we want to make the the, the we want to get the best use out of this cap space now before the deadline without sacrificing anything that we really care about. And I kind of feel like their opinion about, I think they cared a lot about Kevin Knox before the season. And I have a funny feeling that that opinion has changed. That's not based on anything I've heard or anything. I just, it's a gut feeling. I just, I think at this point, it maybe it is what it is with Kevin Knox. And they feel like if we're going to get something for this guy, let's get something for him now, where maybe a team looks at him as something other than like, Oh wait, you want us to take on Kevin Knox's fourth year salary? Eh, I don't know about that because we're about four months away from that, or three months away, whatever it is. So I feel like they're going to try to they're, they're really going to try to dangle Knox now. I think they're going to use the cap space now and try to get something, whatever the something is. I don't know what the something is, but that's what I think. I think Rivers has been a pros pro, son of a coach, uh, clearly some basketball pedigree. The idea of him being on this roster and not able to find any sort of role moving forward would really surprise me. I think that when he fell out of the rotation, they said, you know, we're going to find some sort of deal that involves you because I just don't think that he's going to be this guy who just doesn't see any minutes from what, maybe after, I don't think the last game he played was the jazz game, but not too long after that second game, I just see them moving him because I think that another team also like the most valuable thing about Austin rivers is not Austin Rivers. It is his contract for two reasons. One, yes, it's non-guaranteed, but two, because it's not guaranteed until after the moratorium ends, which means that teams can send out his salary and then non-guarantee it and then cut money that way, which is a great way for them to do it. So it's not, it, it doesn't guarantee until after the moratorium. Yep. Hmm. I didn't Which know that. It just, I mean, that's a super smart thing to do. That's a very smart thing. I, I did not realize that. Yeah. That, according to Spotrack, last I checked. So, so what that, just to explain what, what that means is in theory, they could, the free agency could begin and they could trade him after the start of free agency to a team that could then cut him immediately. Uh, to my understanding, I believe we'll, they could. We'll, well, we'll, we'll have to do some digging right, on but, that. But, because, or, or here's another option. Um, you could still like you could have him on the books and then non guarantee him as a way to like get under. It, it, there's financial maneuvering that you could do that involves Austin Rivers's deal. And again, I just I think that they're going to want to trade him to a place where he has an opportunity. And I think another team would take a flyer because they don't think he's that bad of a player and they can afford it, especially if they're sending out more money. That's why the idea of something like JJ Redick. If you're opening up a roster spot for someone like that makes sense. So that's why I think it would be Austin Rivers. I just like he strikes me as too much of a good person based on how he's handled everything for him to still be here and not have a role. I just figured they wave him. But I don't I don't think so, because, again, with that contract, that contract can be used to help them down the line. Well, okay, so just waving him right now would be. I wouldn't say it's missing out on opportunities, but it's also not not doing that. Again, there are so many balls in the air, and one of them is the Knicks are a dumping ground for a team that needs to offload someone into a roster spot. And Austin yes. Rivers is a fun- fungible uh, roster spot. 
So that's why I think that's if if they come into a situation where they can get something for taking on a player, but nobody wants Austin Rivers. In that case, they would just wave Austin Rivers. That's that's the only thing I'm throwing. Sure. At. And I, I don't think that Austin Rivers is the first player on the chopping block for what it's worth in you terms of like Iggy? if you. Yeah, I do. Because Iggy's got a team option and yeah. I don't see the Knicks paying Iggy, I think, like one point seven million dollars next year so you either trade him another team can make that decision for them or you just you know and here's the other thing with Iggy: if he's still here and you decline that option if you signed him back for the veterans minimum it really wouldn't be that much more so you're clearing cap space and when you're filled up with your cap space and you're now over the salary cap you can just sign him for the minimum and there's no problem whatsoever. We so, must retain Iggy Brostakis at all costs that is that is the biggest story that nobody's talking about I agree he's untouchable Um, yeah, untouchable. Andrew? Oz will be very happy that you included that at the end of this podcast. See, he's the only person that I said that for. Quite literally the only person I know that feels this way, too. Um, <laughs> okay, so five very quick answers. Your first, we'll do speed round. First thought sure. that comes to your mind, okay? If the Knicks trade a first round pick, I will be blank. Jeremy? Puzzled. If it's not for Lonzo Ball. John? Uh, ditto, ditto. And I don't think, again, I don't think it will be him, but just the idea of like, well, then who are you doing it for? He's, so. he's the only player that I could see that. Uh, and by the way, this is the other thing that I wanted to sneak in here before we moved on. Again, according to this Kevin O'Connor piece, New Orleans is asking for at least one good first round pick or a young player. How about a shitty first round pick and a shitty young player? Um, okay, let's move on. And <laughs> under the radar player the Knicks should acquire is blank. John uh, Aaron holiday from the Indiana Pacers who has fallen out of their rotation as they are hitting their, they're playing better of late. They're hitting their stride. Um, he's entering his fourth year. Um, yeah, go, go take a chance on Aaron holiday. Jeremy. I think Bobby Mark said Jared Vanderbilt yeah. again. I don't know what his role would be, especially if you have Randall and Obi here, but He's pretty under the radar, especially if there's emergence. If the Wolves get someone like John Collins, um, I think that he would make some sense. How do you go under the radar? Isn't radar underwater? Or is that so? No, that's sonar. Yeah. Sonar. That's sonar. Yeah. I think under the radar is, is literally like you cannot be tracked by satellite. So you're going, you're flying so low that you're um, under the radar. Like in Wonder Woman 1984, they're under the radar. I fr- I, and so should that movie have been. Yeah, I, that, that tells you so just, much about that movie. I completely forgot everything that happened. I know Chris yeah, Pine here. takes over some dude for a week. That's that's what I remember yeah, about that movie. Um, that's accurate. Knicks fans will be blank after the deadline. Jeremy. Angry. I, angry. I, like. They're angry. They're all, we're always going to be angry yeah. at something. I'm actually, I'm literally trying to think of the move that they could make that would, that everybody in unison would be like, there isn't yes. one. There isn't one. Doesn't the, exist. The way you'd have to phrase it is the majority of Knicks fans will be, yes, this was good. I think it's Lonzo. If they figured out a way to get a player for, for a good player for nothing based on just using their cap. That's the only, and I just don't know if I see that situation. out. And I just want to put this out there because again, look, we love Knicks fans. There is a, but here, 
the idea of consistently trading assets that you don't prioritize for pieces that other teams prioritize, it doesn't happen. So when you set your expectations of like, this is what I want. And then you see in real life that players of good value cost actual good value. You're going to leave yourself. It's going to leave you disappointed. So that's why I think it's always going to be some form of anger because it's just this, this mindset of like, well, we can get them for cheap. And it's like, no, you probably can't. Yeah. So the next question I want to reword a little bit because it's the nixiest by classical definition of nixiest move would be to, but I don't, I don't see that in this front office. So what the way I want to reword this, the move that national media television hosts that do radio from one to 3 PM on ESPN um, will most likely make the, make fun of the Knicks for would be, blank any anything where the Knicks traded a future first round pick do I have to be more specific than no, that no, no, that I mean if you have a player in mind I, th- I literally think any move the Knicks make could be spun into what are they doing if they traded an unprotected like a, a pick that could ever eventually become unprotected for Lonzo Ball I think that would, which I do, uh, to be clear, I do not think that they will do. Or to be honest with you, if they gave up, I think if they gave up a first round pick for Victor Oladipo, I think they'd get, actually, no. If they, if they, if they went all in on Kyle Lowry, that's the move. Really? What about if they went all in and traded an asset for Drummond? That's the Nixie move. I guess it's going to get bought out. But again, in in the scope of this front office, like to me, that Nixiest move where where that's like, I can't believe the Knicks did this. It's either not trading for Lonzo Ball or it's trading for Lonzo Ball and then saying, why would the Knicks have done this when they could just pay him in the summer, completely ignoring any sort of like circumstances and why that doesn't necessarily work. I think it's that. Because again, that's you've got the Knicks, great talking point. You've yeah. got Lonzo, polarizing player, no matter how you slice it. It's got to be involving him in some capacity. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. But screw it, it. it's That's, funny that you already figured out what the talking points would be, Jeremy. Can I? Did can you I, not know that I am actually the feeder of all of these, all this commentary? Yeah, like, it, I drive. It's story. almost like they're following a script of sorts. Go ahead, John. Sorry, Mister Sixty Nine over here. Um, actually, I just want to add one one other thing. If they traded Obi Toppin, I think it would be pilloried um, because again, LOL Knicks trading their the guy that. Uh, they drafted and then didn't give time to, and now he's out of here. I think that would be raked over the coals. Uh, last Knicks-related question. The moves the Knicks make at the deadline will lead them to finish with the blank seed this season. Oh, so you're just asking us to predict what seed they're going to finish with? Based off of the roster that will be assembled after the deadline on Thursday, the Knicks will now be en route to the blank seed at the end of the season. I'm going to say the ninth seed. I'm going to, I'm going to also say the ninth seed because I think the, I think the Pacers are starting to play well. Um, man, I think the Hawks are, the Hawks are, they'll be, they'll be good from here on in. I think the Pacers will be good. The Celtics, I mean, they have to figure it out at some point, right? Um, heat or the heat. So then you're talking about the Knicks and Charlotte for the eight, nine, unless I've forgotten someone, right? Did I do my math correct? No, that's correct. 
And okay. mind you, Charlotte is one of the most clutch teams that we've ever seen. That they've been phenomenal. Are they really? Yeah, no, I, I saw something online where like they are statistically one of the most clutch teams, if not the most thus far we've ever seen. And Terry Rozier is a huge reason, I believe, behind that. So um, I, I just they, think they're a little fool's gold. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. I, like they have a negative net rating on the year. They're eight and seven in their last 15 games with a negative like three point something, um, you know, points per per. Uh, they're, they're giving up, you know, three more points per, per hundred than they're scoring. It's like, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not as like all in on that team as some other people, but f- whatever. Nine sounds right. Last question of the pod and spoilers. If people do not, I just indulge me for a second, John. I don't have a movie pod anymore. Uh, Jeremy, did you see Zack Snyder's Justice League? No, I didn't. I'm you not have, a DC fan. Well, do you have any intention of I'd seeing this I'd like to spend movie? four hours in other ways okay. than watching the Snyder Cut. I figured. I figured. So then this is just for John. Your honest reaction after watching a four-hour director's cut of Justice League. And I cannot believe I'm actually doing this to us. Inviting this to our comment section, the Zack Snyderverse. Uh, so I just want to I want to preface this by saying, ah, Fuck. What? That is not what I wanted to preface this by saying, but uh, Popper just noted that uh, Simmons is playing tonight. Oh, okay. That, that should Shit. change what the post-game recap is. I was yeah, actually really oh, hoping that um, was your reaction to watching the Zack Snyder Justice So League. I just want to say oh, um, <laughs> I was I was just beyond exhausted and like it's it's been a really long week here in the, the Macri household. Um, so Why would my, my what's that? Why would happen? That's a joke. Nothing, That's not, a joke. nothing major. Um, so my excuse. So I, I was my my brains were mashed potatoes, and uh, Fridays are the one day that I kind of don't have like stuff that I need to do. So that was my justification for sitting down and watching this this four hour thing. Um, and that is what I want to say about it. It is it is not a movie. It is a thing, and I will, I'm stealing that from my good friend Bernardo Zorowski, um, because it is it is not like anything you've ever seen. It's. Uh, it exists in its own universe, uh, you know, quite, quite literally and, and figuratively. Um, I listened to it with the ringer uh, big picture commentary on as I obviously, you know, um, so they were obviously having some fun with it as they were listening, although they admitted this is a better, this is better than the original. It is better than the original. It's a lot better. The original was garbage and this is not garbage. This is definitely a quality thing. Um, is it necessarily my cup of tea? It's very different than Marvel comics, superheroes, super uh, Marvel comics approach to movies. And I am like hook, line and sinker Marvel all the way. I dig the way they do these films. This is less for me, but I appreciated what it was trying to do. That is what I will say about it. Jeremy, what would I have to do to get you to see this movie? Like what, how much would have to be in your bank account? What active service would I have to like wash your car, pay your rent? I, I don't own a car. Technically homeless. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when the pandemic comes along and okay. you just stop having your lease. And as you can tell, I just bum around from place to place from the background. Um, I don't know. I don't. Again, like it doesn't. It just doesn't matter okay. to me. I I don't really care. Maybe I right. take a grand. I take your stimulus. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Direct deposit, $1,400. Me. I do, just, I do just want to say that I wasn't, I never read DC comics book, books growing up. I was always Marvel. So like, I imagine that 
if I had been in, as into DC as I was into Marvel growing up, I would have, like you texted me earlier today, I, I probably would have thought like the last hour of this movie, hour and a half of this movie was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, that's the so. thing. Like I've been texting with Oz the last day and a half. We'll wrap up and get out of here, Knicks fans. I promise. We will not spend too much of the end of this pod talking about a movie that probably 70 of you saw. But um, I like Oz hates the last 90 minutes of this movie. The first two hours of this movie, I will never see again. I will just, I do not need to put myself through that. It's the same movie, just longer as Joss Whedon's. And then there's 90 minutes that's kind of different once Superman, spoiler alert, Superman shows up. And then it's like kind of fun. It's coherent enough. I was like, I had turned my brain off to the point where this was now a fast and furious movie. And I just wanted to see superheroes do cool shit. And guess what? Cool shit was done. So cool shit was done. I think there's that two hours that I'll of build up that's drawn out that I'll never watch again. There's 90 minutes of fun stuff, and there's a 30-minute epilogue setting up stuff that's never going to happen. That was the best part, setting up, watching something that it's like, this is all set up for a thing that is never going to happen, yeah. unless, unless, release the Snyder Cut, uh, hashtag people have their way. Well, that's um, that's the I, thing. I'm Zooming with Spencer this week. We're going to Zoom lunch. I need to see what movie he saw. I need to figure out what movie he saw, because the tweet that he sent out this is one of the greatest movies of all time. I need like I've we've talked about this off the air, guys. Like the pandemic was hard on everybody. So let people enjoy things should be people's motto. Like if you got enjoyment out of something, go ahead. I'm not here to criticize people that saw this movie and had that perspective. I just need to know what you saw that I didn't. I want to know what you got from this that I because what I think is Zack Snyder took a bad movie and made it not bad. I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's great. I don't know if that's okay. It's not bad is how far I'm willing to go. So that is our, I guess, endorsement of this movie. And um, I'll take, yeah, it's, for it's, it's all a, of you that tuned out 10 minutes ago, you know, see you next week. Uh, go ahead, guys. Take us out. Um, Jeremy, anything from you before we get out of here? Uh, yeah. I mean, some great content from the Strickland coming up this week. Um, that's exciting. From here, KFS. Uh, on a, on a more just real quick on a real note, um, obviously there have been some pretty uh, intense, at least one intense situation that happened in Atlanta this week. Um, yeah. Obviously speaking on behalf of you guys, you know, <laughs> stop Asian hate, but just on a more real level, I would never tell anyone how to spend their money. Uh, obviously stimulus came in. I encourage you. One thing I've been doing is shopping at um, Asian local um, shopping local with Asian owned businesses, uh, similar for BIPOC, just something to consider. Um, but yeah. And, and I just, we forgot to do scheduling just on another. Oh note. yeah. Um, and this is an interesting schedule based on the fact that it is bisected by the trade deadline. So bisected. Um, I just want to co-sign. I, here's, here's my, what I wish. I wish there was more um, Asian eateries around where I live because I would eat, Asian food every day for the rest of my life if I could because it's better than any other food. Um, okay, let's pull up the schedule. Um, okay. It's What's Philly, today? Washington, Washington, right? It's Philly, Washington, Washington, and Milwaukee. At Milwaukee. So, Jeremy, you go first because they were – I'm sure you won because you always win because you have cheated the system for many weeks now. Uh, well, I mean, you've been winning the weekly matchups. 
But yes, uh, because the Sixers game hasn't happened, I I do hold the cards here. So I'm going to say Philly, Washington, Washington, Milwaukee. I'm going to say two and two. And I think I think I got a good feeling about the Sixers game. Now that I said that, they'll probably lose. But I think tonight is the first time Ben Simmons loses to the Knicks. And uh, I'm prepared to be laughed at tomorrow if that's not the case. You fucked me again. What's that? Oh. Three and one. Wow. I hope so. But three and one. Damn. they're not going one to three. They're not going one to three on this. This is this is the push. And you know what? I take back what I said. They're not gonna finish ninth. They're gonna finish like seventh. There. I said it. This you want you want all in? There. I'm all in, folks. Um, do we need to do our next ten games or we're not there yet? What what's Honestly, it makes more sense to do it after the deadline because then you know what the roster looks like. Fine. Let's do that. That's what makes sense. Okay. Um, everybody, uh, uh, Jeremy, Andrew, thank you very much. Um, this was a lot of fun. I can't wait for the Knicks to do something that somehow we did not cover on this show, um, which is if you, it, that is the only thing I'm convinced of, that they will do something that is completely out of left field and we did not see coming. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll have something to talk about, won't we? Um, don't forget, um, check out the pods later this week. And uh, if you are listening to this on your, your podcast um, app and uh, you, uh, first of all, are inclined to give us a good review and five stars, right? Five stars, Andrew. Yes, five stars. Please do so. Um, but just as importantly, go check out the YouTube channel, subscribe to that, and come join me and Jeremy Thursday at... What do we think? We're going to hop on in, what, an hour and a half before the trade deadline? An hour before the deadline? Well, Jeremy, the thing we talked about, we'll, we'll live plan this. Two to four. We'll do an hour before and then an hour after. That's what we had discussed. Yeah. I think that I think that makes the most sense because most of the deals come in like right at the deadline. So that's great. Okay. Wonderful. I like that. Um, so join us then on the, uh, on the YouTube channel. And if you don't, um, check out the, the pod and uh, we will... We will see you very soon. Thank you for joining. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.